We again return to Luke chapter 6. The providential hand of God is mysterious. And his intervention into the circumstances of our daily life is wonderful. And we love it. But it can also be at the same time a fearsome thing. A fearsome thing. Wonderful when we've been praying about a special life circumstance. And God then intervenes and makes things turn out the way that we're hoping that it would turn out. But it's also fearsome at times when the matter that we're praying about needs some painful intervention. Even perhaps some form of discipline. And God does that. That's his providential hand. Him reaching into our lives to bring about that which is according to his will. And sometimes that's not according to our will. God is clear in his word that all of those many forms of daily circumstances that are taking place within this life, that they're not odd. They're not exceptions. They're common to all of men, all of the people on the earth. And again, some of those circumstances will be wonderful and pleasant, but some of them will be difficult, sometimes very difficult. And the Lord told us about those in the wisdom of Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. And I've read these words to us before, but they are very pertinent to the scripture in Luke chapter 6 that we'll be talking about in a few moments. They're in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. He gives us these very familiar words. He says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. There would be a time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather the stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. Precious words. Now, here in the Gospels, as Jesus began to teach and to preach, He would often tell the people about many of these same circumstances that I just read about. Yes, he would use different wording and often would use parables as his examples. But he was giving much the same message as he had given earlier through the thoughts and the words and the wisdom of Solomon. Here in our passage for today, Jesus was teaching the people who were gathered to him, telling them about many of the circumstances of life that they would encounter. And that those circumstances would often appear to be very difficult to them. But he was assuring them to take heart, that he could take even the most difficult of life circumstances and make them turn out good and for their blessing and for our blessing. But also, within these words, is a strong warning. A strong warning to any who would ignore his teaching. Saying to them that 
there would also surely be a consequence for every wrong behavior. Listen to these words in Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 20. Words that I've read for us over the past two weeks. Verse 20 of Luke chapter 6. Then he, this is the Lord Jesus, lifted up his eyes towards his disciples and he said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy. For indeed, your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner, their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich now, for you have received your consolation, all you'll ever receive. And woe to you who are full now, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. As you listen to the words that I just read, were you able to recognize how some of these words of the Lord Jesus are so very similar to the words that I read a moment ago from the book of Ecclesiastes? Folks, we need to always remember that Jesus is ever and always the Word of God. The Word of God. That's why even the words in the book of Ecclesiastes that were penned through these hands of, of King Solomon, they were given to Solomon by the Spirit of Christ. Do you realize that? The Lord Jesus Himself, long before He came to earth, His Spirit gave these words to Solomon to write for us. And so Solomon's wisdom that he was so famous for was actually the wisdom of Christ. Because that is so, for that reason, it shouldn't be surprising that the same truths would be expressed here by the Lord Jesus himself as he preached and taught his disciples and the others who would gather to him. Because truth is truth and it remains the same throughout all of time. In both of these passages of Scripture, God is declaring to us that there surely will be a time and a season for everything under heaven. And that you and I should fully expect them and not be surprised by any and all of the many possibilities of life. Whether those things be good or evil or right or wrong or loving or hateful. And while not every one of these things mentioned here in Ecclesiastes will touch each one of us individually, many of them surely will. Many of them already have. Others will affect our lives as we live each day. And most all of them will have an effect on us. Now notice especially here in the words of verse 4 of the book of Ecclesiastes that God's telling us plainly that there surely will come times in our lives when we will weep. And there will be times when we'll laugh. There will be times when we'll mourn. And there will be times when we'll dance. And here Jesus is saying it again to us. That yes... It's an inevitable fact of life that as we live and move and breathe and have our being on this earth, many things, both good and evil, right and wrong, difficult and pleasing, they'll each take place in and around us every day, and they're going to do that this very day. And we can easily see all of this taking place by looking around us at the society, the culture. There are people who are very poor. 
but there are others who have plenty. There are people who are hungry and others who have plenty to eat. But here in the book of Luke, Jesus takes us a step further and beyond just acknowledging that these things do take place. Here he tells us that there will also surely be a consequence, a consequence for the manner in which you and I respond to these things. That there will be blessings for those who respond rightly, but there will also be woes for those who respond wrongly. And as I mentioned in another message, we need to carefully take note that within these words, Jesus is personalizing his blessings and his warnings. He uses the word you and he uses the word yours intentionally, addressing those truths to you and me. He says in verse 20, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And then in verse 24, he says, But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. And folks, we really must take heed to these truths. God truly is providential. Again, let me remind you, his providence is when he inserts his hand into the ordinary activities of our day and he molds them according to his will. God is providential. And you and I need to take heed to the truths that he's giving to us here. God's intending for you and me to take these words very personally. He's speaking directly to you and me. And he's telling us here that perhaps in our finances, here he says that he wants to bless us financially, personally, and individually. And he truly will. Especially, though, if we remain poor in spirit. And if we don't value the money that we have beyond its intended purpose. If we see money simply as a provision to enable us to carry on forward the plans and the purposes that he has for us. And if we keep that right perspective, then he tells us, blessed are you, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now here in verses 21 and 25 of Luke chapter 6, Jesus is telling us that it's also much the same for our emotions, our emotions. It is inevitable that as we live from day to day that you and I will have times and opportunities for both weeping and of laughing. And we must not be surprised when it takes place in our life. We need to be able to respond to both of those in a manner that will bless the Lord. And again, let me state this fundamental truth that we mentioned on several occasions in recent weeks. All of these things, whether they be right or wrong or good or evil or difficult or pleasurable, no matter how secular a matter might appear on the surface to be, all that takes place, listen, all that takes place each day is inescapably spiritual. Inescapably spiritual. Both in the manner that they're brought to us, because God's hand's involved in these circumstances coming into our lives. So we're responsible both in the manner that, we, that they are brought to us, but also the manner in which we're required to respond to them when they come our way. It's always God's desire that we elevate every occurrence and every opportunity into the spiritual realm and that we deal with them there from a spiritual perspective. It's then and it's only then that righteousness will prevail and that we and others can be blessed. 
I've heard derogatory statements like referring to someone, it would be said of them, they're too heavenly minded to be of any earthly good. I want you to know I would never say that. I would never want to say that because of this truth. Everything that we do in life is spiritual. It really is. God's hand is in it. He has his will. And he wants you and me to respond in a way that will be pleasing to him. And so you and I need to elevate every circumstance of life, no matter how secular it appears to be. God wants us to elevate it into the spiritual realm and to deal with it from a spiritual perspective because it is only then that righteousness can prevail. Listen to these words again. Luke chapter 6, verse 21. Blessed are you who weep now. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. And then verse 25. But woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Now with only a moment of thought, we know that we must first ask the question, what is it that causes us to weep or to laugh? Are we weeping or laughing for good and righteous reasons? Or were we brought to those circumstances because of wrongs that we might have done? Scripture is clear. God has put into place a system of appropriate consequences that must always take place for the things that you and I do in this flesh. Our sins will find us out. And straight out of Scripture, we can read, we will reap what we sow. We're accountable for our responses to all those circumstances that take place in our life. God is not blind to your and my habits and our behaviors. And He loves us. And He loves us enough to let our misdeeds bring about suffering so that you and I then will turn and repent. And we really should be glad for that. We may not be glad at the moment, but we need to be glad that our sins will find us out so that we can repent and turn from them. And also, much more blessed are we when we weep for those people and those circumstances that God weeps for. The pain and anguish being suffered by the weak, by the helpless and the poor, and especially the sufferings that are endured by the saints throughout this world because of their faith in Christ. You and I should be praying for them and weeping for them. Those dear people in the Ukraine that are suffering right now. Folks, the world, the flesh, and the devil, they are powerful adversaries. And they are in and around you and me every day, plying their arts at making our lives miserable. Yes, it turns out that there's a face of a person that's involved in that misery. But often, they're simply pawns in the hands of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And yes, they'll make us miserable. Providing us every opportunity to do as these scriptures say, to weep. A time to weep. Turning happy matters into sad ones. They're able to ply their art of temptations so especially well within the most common of matters of our daily life. And they do it subtly. And they do it cleverly. What you and I might perceive perhaps as a, a new and perfect job that we might get. Or some new and perfect house that we might buy. Or some new and perfect new relationship that we've just developed. Folks, those things can be filled with hidden miseries. 
And most assuredly within each of them, there will be both weeping and laughing. And Jesus is saying to us here, do not be overwhelmed. Do not be overwhelmed at these things as they take place. He says, I'm always with you. I'm always with you and I will bless you who weep now. For then later you shall laugh. But here Jesus also takes the opportunity to warn us to be very careful about those things. And the circumstances that we get involved in. He says to us, woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Folks, the tempter and his temptations, they are always present. Always. Always. And here Jesus is telling us that it's in those moments when we least expect the tempter's snare. That we need to be careful to make right choices. Sometimes they're very hard choices. But we need to make right choices. Right decisions. Else we surely will begin to mourn. Our laughter, as he tells us here in these words, will turn to mourning. What are those right choices and right decisions that you and I need to make in those moments when we are being put to the test? The answer to that question is simple, but it's a very difficult one. We are to continually live a surrendered life. A surrendered life, surrendered to the knowledge and the recognition and the acceptance that God really is sovereign and that He truly is providential, that He has His hands intervening in every situation, all the matters of our daily life, that His plans and His purposes for each of those matters is always at work. And if we'll simply join Him, if we'll join Him in what He's doing instead of bucking up against what His plan is, If we'll simply join Him in what He's doing, we'll be blessed beyond measure. I say that from experience. I have done as Scripture calls. I have kicked against the goad. I have decided I wanted my own way so many times in my life. And it's never worked out well. It has never worked out well. And so it's a tall order when we say we have to live this surrendered life. It's a tall order for me. It requires me. It requires you to go beyond our normal sometimes passive, detached manner of Christian life. We think of our Christian life as being one where we'll just follow a few rules and we'll be okay. We do Christianly things. But that's not the answer. The answer is the person of Christ and be surrendered to Him personally and to see His hand involved in everything that's taking place. It's the only good answer. Now, for us here today, each one of us, is at a different stage in life's journey. Some of us are at the beginning of it. Some of us are in the middle. Others are nearing the end. But regardless of where we are in our journey, God still has a very intimate and personal plan for each of us. Exactly where we shall live, exactly where we shall work, and exactly how we should conduct our daily life, no matter what the circumstance. How do we know? that to be true. He tells us so in Acts 17. These are words that I've read to us several times over the recent months. Listen carefully to these words. I love these words. This tells us what God is doing in the midst of all these other activities that might seem to be good or evil, right or wrong. Listen to these words. Acts 17 verse 26. He says, from one man, he, this is God, from one man, God made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. 
And he determined, listen, he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and we move and we have our being. Folks, God has decided the exact moments we'd be on this earth, when we'd be born and when we'll die. He has already made that decision. He tells us that in several places, but he's telling us that in these words. And he's saying, I want you to live at a certain place, Louisville, Kosciuszko, wherever we live. And it says he did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. He is up close every moment. For in him we live and move and have our being. Folks, I really would like for you to mark these verses in your Bible and read them often. As born-again believers, you and I really do live and move and have our being in Christ. Whether we want to recognize it or not, we do. And He truly has determined those times that are set for us and the exact places where we'll live. And because of that, it's only right, it's only right that you and I should ask Him first about all those things that we get involved in. If we do ask, and if we follow His still, small voice, And it is a quiet voice. It's one we really have to listen for. And if you and I will trust Him with all of our heart, and if we'll lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge Him, then He will direct that next step of our path. And we'll have happiness and laughter in our hearts. But folks, listen. If we fail to ask... And if we choose for ourselves when and where we want to live and move and have our being, then we cannot expect happiness and laughter to fill our hearts. And we should not be surprised when we find ourselves weeping and mourning. If we choose, listen, if we choose our own bride or bridegroom to share our life with, and we don't allow God to have that privilege, then we need to expect to receive only the rewards that this life will bring. Nothing more. If we choose to buy a home because of its size or because of its prestige or some other fleshly feature, then you and I need to expect to receive only the rewards that this world will allow. If we make our own choice of employment, this happens every day of our life throughout our nation, throughout all the families of churches just like this one. If we make our own choice of employment without seeking the guidance of God's loving spirit, then whatever we receive in that job will be our only reward or lack of reward. And listen, and within all of those things, there will surely be weeping or laughing. And that's what he's telling us here. One last consideration of these words before we close. The context in which Jesus sets these beatitudes is one that bespeaks the probability that there will be times when we'll have no real choice. No real choice in our weeping or our laughing. Listen to verse 21. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. In Psalm 30, he tells us, Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holy name. For His anger is but for a moment, but His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. Now, whether we took a wrong turn in life, 
and we brought about our own weeping or whether someone else or some other circumstance beyond our control brought it about. If we'll turn our hearts to the Lord Jesus and if we will pursue His righteousness in our circumstance, His promise to us is still a blessed one. The answer will ever and always be to surrender, to give up our claim to our right to ourselves. Folks, that is one of the greatest sins we could ever commit, to have my claim to my right to myself. That's the very first sin that was ever committed, and it's taking place in each of our lives each day, unfortunately. But you and I need to surrender, give up our claim to our right to ourselves, and to allow God to complete His plan and His purpose in us. And yes, even then, there may be times of weeping. But Psalm 30 is always true. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. So as we close, may I also remind us of that beloved promise that God gave to us in Romans 8, 28. Each of us know these words. But this is God's promise, and it's true. That if, if we love Him, and if we trust Him, and if we remain called according to his purposes, that he will surely work these circumstances all together for our good. What a blessed promise. Praise be to the Lord. Let's pray.